Episode number 345, Creating Killer Digital Content with Trey Van Camp. Let's do it. This is the definitive podcast for helping you plan, create, and execute dynamic worship experiences at your church. Useful, practical content in the areas of production, worship, communications, first impressions, and more. This is Making Sunday Happen. Hey guys, this week's episode of the podcast is brought to you by our friends at Philo Conference. Philo stands for First In, Last Out, and I've spoken and I've attended this event. It's really great, especially if you are a church tech or production lead, and you can bring your whole team as well. It's happening in Chicago on May 10th and 11th. I'll tell you more about it in just a minute. On this week's show, I'm talking with Trey Van Camp. Trey is a pastor, church planner, and YouTuber. He's the pastor at Passion Creek Church. If you follow Trey at all, he's had some really interesting news uh, since uh, him and I chatted for this interview today. He almost went to pastor another church, and God pulled him back, and Trey and his wife Jordan chronicled that journey in their latest YouTube videos that you should check out. Trey's channel is incredible, great content. You need to check it out. Uh, I'm going to be talking with Trey today about creating killer digital content for your platforms. Trey's been a vlogger for a long time. He's made hundreds of YouTube videos, and I want you to see how Trey creates content. So if you're a pastor, a tech leader, communications director, I'm praying that Trey will give you some great tips uh, for you today to think about. All right. This may mean that you take content from your worship experience and you cut it up in a unique way to use throughout the week. It may mean that your pastor can do videos using the same sermon content uh, to go deeper with your congregation or to take that further during the week. Uh, So how can we make great digital content and get it out there for the world to see and hear about the greatest message of all time in Jesus Christ. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Hey guys, I am so looking forward to Philo 2022 happening May 10th and 11th in Chicago at Willow Creek Community Church. Up before the sun, finishing up after the band has left, that's part of what it means to be Philo. First in, last out. But you're not alone. The Philo community is made up of people just like you. And you're going to see that at the Philo event this year. You're going to hear from great speakers like Ashley Island, Todd Elliott, Clay Scroggins, and more. And our team will be there too. You can register today at philo.org. That's F-I-L-O dot O-R-G. philo.org. We'll see you there. Hey guys, today I welcome Trey Van Camp. Trey is a fourth generation pastor. He planted Passion Creek Church in January of 2016. He's a pastor, church planner, YouTuber, vlogger. Trey, welcome, man. Thanks so much for being here. Dude, I'm so grateful to be here. It's a privilege. I know we've been trying to make this work for a while. We're here. Yeah. We're, We're doing this. This is the moment. Praise right the here. Lord. <laughs> man, it is uh, it's gonna be glorious. So I, I need first question off the bat: is it Van Camp or Van Camp? Is it, is there a space? Is there, I'm, I'm so confused right now. I just, you know, what's funny is I'm confused. So here's the quick <laughs> story of it. So I'm actually, cause of branding, I reckon, I just made a video about this recently on my YouTube channel 
But for years, it's Trey Van Camp, three words, but there's been confusion. So some people think my last name's Camp, my middle name's Van, and they think I'm related to Jeremy Camp. Not true. But the other thing is so many people over the years on YouTube said, hey, I looked up van life and I found you, but now I'm glad I found you, but it's not at all what I thought it would be. So I was like, oh, like, so the algorithm has constantly thought you're a van camping channel, (laughs) which may, which may actually explain a lot of things of why the algorithm has never been too kind to me. So recently I put it all as one word and capitalized the C. The funny thing is, is my family, they all have always done van camp as one word. I'm the one who's passionate about it being two words. This is weird. And maybe it makes me not my family's child. We check birth certificates, literally Mine is the only one that's one word and everybody else in my family, Van Camp is two words. So I'm like, you know what? I'm rolling with it being one word. I just have to literally for the algorithm out. If you join YouTube, the algorithm changes, it changes your identity literally. So that's where we're at. How many times at airports or people, whatever, at Mr. Camp, do you get that a lot? Hotels, airports. Yes. All the time. Walmart. Thank you, Mr. Camp. I'm like, who? Yeah, definitely. Right. It's, Stop, it's a, it's stopped a with security. You know. And I have two first names, so it's even more of a mess, man. It's my first name's William Trey. The William is silent is wow. the joke. So here I am. Wow. My name's a mess. <laughs> nice. Well, we're here. We're finally, uh, we got, got through that. So thank you. Uh, all right. Tell, tell me about the church, man. Uh, you, you, you planted in 2016. Uh, tell me a little bit about that journey. Uh, and then you, you kind of are a church planner, do that uh, full time and then uh, blog and YouTube your, your journey as a church planner and, and mm-hmm. other things, right? Tell me about it. Yeah. Yeah. So we started our church uh, in 2016. It's crazy. We just celebrated six years. Um, especially in my area, the percentage of churches that make it past year three is about 50%. And then the churches who make it past year five, it's about 75% of them don't make it. Wow. Um, So we're an anomaly in our area. It's really, really hard to plant a church out here in the West. And so, um, yeah, actually I'm a fourth generation pastor and second generation planter. So my father, he was, I like to say I, I got, I was raised normal. It wasn't until I was 12, my dad entered into the ministry. And then, um, we immediately started with planning a church and back in 2004, when that happened, there wasn't as many books as there are now, there weren't networks, like church planning wasn't really a thing. It was, but it's not nearly as popular as now. And so there's no resources. Anyways, my dad decided to like in March, Hey, we're going to plan a church. And then in April we did. And so it was just my family. We put out free pancakes and church for Easter signs everywhere around the neighborhood. In fact, the neighborhood I'm living in now. And uh, we started with 50 people and the rest is history. So we planted a church and my, when my family put us together, he said, um, my dad told us, I want each of you, this is a family plant. We're all going to be involved. And so I want you to pray and ask God what your spiritual gift is. And so I prayed every day, every night. Uh, literally if, if I forgot everything else, I asked God, God revealed to me my spiritual gift. And about exactly a year later, it was at a discipleship now conference. I, a pastor preached on first Kings 18 and the Lord clearly spoke to me to stand up in a generation who is too afraid to, uh, for the name of Jesus. And so I recognized that and kind of interpreted that as a call to pastoral ministry. So since 13, I've known this is kind of the journey I would be on. And, um, but I quickly, church planning is hard. 
So I quickly mm-hmm. told God, like, I will do anything but plant a church. And so I have a journey of looking into revitalizations, a journey of being wanting to be a missionary across uh, the world. Uh, there was one summer where um, in high school, I had to sell my truck in order for us to eat that summer because just church planning was really hitting a low. Our attendance was bad. Our, our budget wasn't there. And so I thought, I want something more stable. So I literally thought being a missionary was more stable than planning a church. And so long story short, I went to college, did all that. And I recognized, oh my gosh, like I had quite a few big opportunities, but I decided to pick the church planning one because I knew that's what the Lord was calling me to. So Hmm. yeah, at the age of 23, I planted a church in a movie theater and God has been so gracious. I still can't believe people allowed me to do that. And uh, we're still alive and well, and the church, you know, like a lot of my priorities have shifted the past six years, Uh, like the first three was all about success, more numbers. Um, and Mm. now it's a lot more like, who are Mm. we becoming? How are we enjoying life with God together for others? Um, and so God's really done a big work in my heart and I'm grateful for it. And I pray that he never stops doing that. Um, but yeah, in fact, what's fun is I planted my church January, 2016, never heard of YouTube before. If you want me to talk about YouTube a little bit, I can right now. Yeah. Never heard of YouTube. I always thought, well, I heard of it, duh, but I thought it was like cat videos. You know, like I was like, I have zero desire. Like I'm somebody who prides himself in being productive. And so like, I don't watch, I used to not watch TV shows or anything. Now that I have kids, I need like some sort of (laughs) entertainment to hold on to at the end of the night. Um, But I used to not do any of that stuff. And then I was actually on Facebook and an ad popped up. This was October of 2016. An ad popped up of Gary V of all people. I imagine you've heard of Gary Vee. Yeah. If you're in the media world, you have. And I thought it was really interesting. It captured my attention. Um, and so then I went to his YouTube channel and the first video I saw was an interview with Casey Neistat. And I thought, who is this guy? So it's funny. I actually heard about Gary Vee first, which at that time only had about like 30,000 subscribers. Meanwhile, Casey Neistat had like 4 million at that time. And I fell in love with vlogging. I was like, this is, this is amazing. Like YouTube's awesome. This whole journey of telling your story and giving lessons along the way. I recognize like Casey Neistat's a preacher. He doesn't even know it. Like he's shaping the minds of the coming upcoming generation. And I, for years have made videos behind the camera. Cause I've just, I'm missional. I, I know, like I wanted to help my dad's church plant. And I'm like, we need to make videos. We need to make graphics. I learned how to make websites. So I knew all that, but also I had a lot of training in preaching. I mean, that's what I was doing and communicating. So I just blew me away that you can turn the camera towards you and start storytelling. So one month later, so October, I found out about it. November, I bought a camera and started uploading vlogs and I've uploaded vlogs ever since for over five years now, which is insane. And yeah, God's been really good. So I have this journey of church planning and starting a channel are kind of around the same period. And there's been a lot of different iterations in my channel and in my church. And I've been documenting all of that on YouTube. Well, I want to dive into some of that and some of the things that you've learned over the years, Uh, not just to tell your story, but also for pastors that can take it and use it if that's a, a method, you know, if digital content is a method that they really want to get better in, which yeah. I've heard a lot of, of that, obviously, with uh, with everything going on, that's been a, a huge push is to um, make sure your online presence is, is, is up and running. But let me, let me ask you this to start. Uh, how do you feel as a vlogger, a consistent vlogger, how do you feel about 
online versus in person? Should online take over? Should it be a both and situation? What are your thoughts on that whole topic? Yeah, a lot of people peg me wrong in that in that categorical fight. Um, so when when COVID happened, I was like, "See, pastors, I've been telling you this for years to have right. an online presence." And so right. it was actually like the first month of COVID was fun for me because. I got to teach a ton of pastors all of a sudden these lessons that I've been learning for up to, you know, three years up to that point. Um, but I really believe in the local church and the embodied embedded presence of Jesus. And so just doing ministry, I have, I have proof, like I have data to show, like I have had a ministry on YouTube and it's blessed people and it's been an incredible ministry. Um, but in-person has been more effective it has been uh, an opportunity to be more vulnerable, uh, an opportunity to truly love people and be present. Um, mm-hmm. You can't be present with people online like you can in person. So to me, it's a both and like so many fights we have. It's like, what if we're both right? And so um, right. I certainly feel like online is the the front door you know, of, of your ministry. I think it's also a way to minister to people. It's a way to like grow fruit on other people's trees is what I tell people a lot. In other words, like online, you're not just reaching your local city. You have no idea. Like people like this morning, I looked it up, people in Malaysia were watching my videos. What that means is that's not going to help my local church at all, but I am helping expand the kingdom of God, which is incredible. I've had people reach out to me and say, Hey, I got baptized at this church. And it was because like, I just want you to know your videos kind of brought me to this church. Like I love that stuff. So for me, it's totally both. And I also feel like it's really condemning um, to make fun of. I don't think they would claim making fun of, but to really put down kind of older pastors who are not doing stuff online. Um, You know, it's not what they grew up with. Uh, I pray that they empower other people in their church to be online, but I don't, I I don't know. I I get, I know how hard it is to be a pastor and I don't want to be one of those that heaps on guilt of saying, man, I can't believe you're not reaching this next generation with online. Um, should they? Yeah. But, you know, I think it's more, it's not, I don't think it could be a blanket statement. I think, man, there's some pastors, they're just, they're barely surviving right now. And the last yeah. thing they need to do is add this whole 20 hour a week job on them. So in a, in a rough way, that's about how I answer that question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. I think when I'm at uh, out speaking and stuff, I get pegged with that too, which is interesting. Uh, you know, you guys are, are media content creators. You're probably like hundred percent online, right? Mm. Like, no, I'm right. No, actually not. I'm actually probably <laughs> more reverse than, uh, than that. Uh, I think it's a both and thing. So I can definitely be with you on that. Um, uh, all right. So if you had to start over again, completely, Hmm. what would you do different to start in my church or my channel? Let's say, let's say online, let's go the online okay. direction for right now. Oh man. You know, I think that's, I don't think I would change anything because it's the only way I can learn, you know, like, so here's the thing in the beginning, I did stupid stuff. So in the beginning, I just made a video about anything. So one time I went to the lake, I would talk about me going to the lake. I would go to Atlanta. I would film my whole time going to Atlanta, which is fine. Um, the reason I wouldn't change it is by just putting stuff out there, by just making stories. I learned through experience, which is how I need to learn. 
what makes a story, what doesn't make a story, what's boring, what's not. And so I had to make a lot of boring videos in order to make captivating ones. And then also like for so many people, they never start because they wait till it's perfect. You'll never succeed on YouTube. You have to just go out there and do it. So the advice I give to, to pastors who are, or Christians who are starting YouTube is radically different than the advice I give to people who've been on YouTube for a few years and have at least a hundred uploads under their belt. So I think you just have to get to that hundred marker at least uh, before you really start to truly analyze. And I think the biggest shift you have to eventually make is who is my target audience and um, what do they expect from my channel? So that's been my struggle that I think I finally have figured out. Um, but it's taken me a long time because you'll also notice on YouTube, the people you want to watch you might not want to watch you, but the people you wouldn't expect to watch you love you. So that's been my process. I thought I started my channel for all the non-believers. I'm a Baptist. We're very great commission focused. It's all about reaching new people. And so I thought it, I'm like, I'm not an apologetics guy, but I'll just be like, I'm the relatable guy. And, um, I wound up in, like encouraging a lot of Christian leaders and people who were thinkers and thought leaders and so I've realized, okay, that's maybe my lane. Cause that's the people who reach out to me. That's the people who buy my courses. That's the people who are in my community. And so I've kind of gone all in on that. So it's really helpful to know who you are and who you're not. And uh, YouTube has helped accelerate that to understand my own leadership strengths by uploading all the time and seeing real-time data, what's working and what's not working. How important is consistency? So that's such a great question. Very important. Um, the, what I'm grateful for though, is when I started like 2017 is when I really got going, it was said, and it was true. The algorithm would bless, uh, people who uploaded every day. So daily vlogging was a thing. And I did that. Like I did a lot of daily vlogs. Like, so I would four months out of every year, I would say, okay, I'm doing one every day. So I started every day in March and then August and whatever. And that's stupid. And it's pointless and it doesn't work anymore. Um, so unless you're going live and talking about the news, which my boy Ruslan does, which actually I'm wearing his shirt right now. Um, Ruslan, he has to be consistent like every day because he's talking about things that are happening in the culture today. And so he jumps on those topics. But if you want to make evergreen content, which is what I want to lean more into now to where I make content that I made two years ago and people are still watching it today. That is like, that is so clutch. What, what I used to do is daily, which means the suspense was just what happened today. But in 2022, you're not going to care what I did in 2018, you know? So it has a short shelf life. So being consistent is like, okay, uploading weekly, definitely uh, monthly, at least, um, unless you're in like some channels are incredible. Like Mr. Beast says he only uploads once a month, but he's Mr. Beast. So mm -hmm. I think like uploading at least weekly, just developing a mm -hmm. appetite for your audience and making them always wanting to come back. That's key. Yeah. I found that too with podcasting. So, uh, we're th 330 something episodes in as of this recording. And so 2015, I think is when we launched something like that nice. early 2015, uh, I say that to say, I mean, the first ones were rough. Uh, yeah. And I, even though I have, I have a background in radio, <laughs> like, I, you know, I, nice. I have experience in knowing how to do this, but it's still like, you got to get it out there. 
and get going. And I think that I see so many podcasters and you might see this in the vlog world too, that they do a few and then they drop off the planet. Totally. Um, and, and I think the people that, that are in and have staying power have credibility. Mm-hmm. I think that they, there's an instant, I, I guess it's credibility. There's an instant credibility. Oh, you've done hundreds of vlogs. I've made 700 vlogs. Right. Right. Yeah. It's a lot. <laughs> right. So, I mean, there, there's right. And so there's so much ex- experience, credibility. They see your face uh, yeah. everywhere. And it's not like, like with me, maybe you can relate to this. I, I have no um, fame is not like, I, I, don't, I don't care if people know who I am, right. but when I go to a conference, if I have a video blog uh, podcast, um, people can see my face, recognize me. The conversation immediately can kick off and I, we trust is different. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Do you find that too? Yes. And so that's one reason why I did it was actually to help my church. Like my motivation has always been two things to bless my church and to bless my family. So part of my YouTube strategy has always been, how can I put more food on the table? So being a church planner, I've always been bivocational. Uh, and that's by part of that's now by choice. Cause we do have enough money to pay me a good salary, but I'd rather have more people on my staff than just me. Mm-hmm. And so we spread the love there. And so I actually pour concrete with my dad three days a week. So that's a big part of my vlogs, uh, typically. Um, but also I have like a Patreon community that blesses me that pays my mortgage every month. I have courses, uh, that kind of bring big blessings to my family financially. So that's big, but also like what's incredible is there's visitors who come to church and they just know me. They're like, I'm sorry, this is weird, but like, I already know you and I'm so excited right. to meet you. And it's not a celebrity thing at all. No. Um, but it is like a, okay, good. So now when I preach in, in 10 minutes, like you're going to actually trust me a little bit more. I don't need to like work so hard, you know, cause so much right. of it's like, who is this guy? If that's already done now, maybe the word can get, can bless you sooner. So yeah. that's been a huge blessing for our church family. Yeah, I find that too. Um, all right. So how often do you, do you post content now? So I used to, when I looked back for four years, I uploaded at least three times a week, at least for four years, um, which is pretty insane. So what's happening in my life right now, some of it I'm not allowed to share. Um, there's just a lot of changes happening in my life. And so there's some projects that are stewing. There's just some people reaching out to me. So I've recognized that I have a lot on my plate. And so I was like, you know what? I think I'm just going to not be on YouTube until I get some of these projects done. And so, yeah, I'm not doing anything right now, which feels really weird. Um, sorry if I'm breathing heavy. I just got over COVID. So I feel like I'm still, uh, (laughs) but anyways, um, but, um, one of them is a book project. So I have a book that I'm writing, and I realized that first of all, Sunday's always coming. So I'm always making a sermon. And then if I'm always making vlogs and videos, like I have very little left to devote to a book. And so I realized I've done enough content. I don't have that itch to like have to upload every week. And so uh, my priorities have kind of shifted in the last six months, but I know it's just for a season. And so I've actually this next week, I'm, I just got a reservation at a cabin. So I'm going up there for five days and hopefully just finishing the first edition of the book and then sending it to my editor. So that's been really important to me. And for so long, I've been trying to do that back and forth game. And I've been reading this book called Deep Work by Cal Newport. And it just talks about just really laser focusing on one thing. And so that's what I'm trying to do. So uh, normally I would say at least two to three times a week. Right now it's nothing at all, which is pretty crazy. How do you, and and this might be different in this season, but how do you come up with 
content? What if I'm a pastor? I'm like, I don't, do, I don't know if I have anything to say. Like, what, what do I, how do I come up with something all the time? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, people have asked me that a lot because again, 700 videos is 700 different ideas. It's a lot of ideas. So um, it really depends on your style. So if you're going live, you can. So one one strategy I've used in the past is okay. So I preached a sermon on Sunday. In fact, this let's just use last Sunday's example. I preached on Daniel chapter three. So I know that there's only so much time I have because you know people don't have long attention spans or whatever. So I do about 35 minutes where I'm talking about the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But let's say I have so much study and I have things that are exciting, but a wise preacher knows, okay, this is great, but it's not great for this. You know, it's just too much or, you know, it it goes away from the main idea. And so you just kind of leave it on the back burner. So a lot of pastors, we always have content that we never got to share on Sunday. Now, if you're not a wise pastor, you just share everything and you're like an hour long sermon and you're not that good, right? Whatever. So what I like to do is then let's just say Monday or Wednesday or Friday, I then go live and then I talk about and I label it. So Daniel three can, can be summarized a lot about fear of syncretism, safetyism, stuff that we talked about. So I would kind of do the title and thumbnail about fear or seeking safe, like safety as the sacred value of life. Should it be that way? Whatever. And then I would just riff, uh, interact with people live and then talk about these things that I didn't have time to talk about on Sunday. Now I don't pitch it like that. I don't say, I didn't get to say this on Sunday. Every time I do this, I act like this is brand new content. I just felt like sharing. Right. So I just talk about, you know, open your, go to Daniel three and I just talk about it. So that's an easy way to make content. It actually improves your communication and enables you to share stuff you weren't able to share uh, that Sunday. I think that's big. Another one though is, so that's like going live. Another thing that I do is vlogging. So let's just say in the vlog. So I'm thinking this is real time thinking right now. Um, On Sunday, I had a phrase. I said, we, we adore Christian values, but we sadly ignore Christian virtues. So I talked about like in our culture today, we like to push the Christian value of one man, one woman marriage, but we need to push that through the virtues of gentleness and love and respect, right? So maybe I take a one minute clip of that message and then I preface it with just a day in the life. I talk about something about my wrestle between Christian values and virtues. I show the sermon clip and then I kind of go through my life again. So it's like a six minute vlog. One minute of it was my sermon. The rest was context of my life, what I'm going through, making personal connections. Does that make sense? So yeah, I usually do that. So it's something, it's always something from Sunday because that's what I'm spending my life thinking about. Mm-hmm. I'm studying hours upon hours every week. And so for me, it's like, I have so much content and I'm bummed. I could only share it through one medium on a Sunday. Can I also share it different ways? Can I repackage it? Can I make it a quote on Instagram, but also can I make it into a vlog and make it personal and empower people? So maybe the vlog was actually that was my sermon clip, but most of the vlog is me showing you the process and me wrestling, trying to communicate that idea, whatever. Right. So there's so many different ways. If you just use Sunday to repackage it into a vlog or a live or like a 10 minute condensed version that you edit, you know? So yeah, there's a bunch of ways to do it, man. There's so many things there. I want to follow up with. I would say (laughs) one thing that you, one thing that you hit on is something that I learned early on from Michael Hyatt. Uh Uh-huh. His platform book uh, is to uh, 
is to reuse one piece of content in as many ways. Maybe we're giving away yes. the secret sauce here. Um, yeah, but use one piece of content in as many ways as you can. Mm-hmm. So pastor, uh, uh, or with me, let's say it's a workshop. Let's say it's a, a podcast episode or whatever it might be. That's another um, one, a podcast yeah. conversation, you know, with your associate pastors or whatever. But yeah, keep going. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a, yeah. Take one piece of content. It's a blog. It's an email. It's a tweet. It's a Facebook post. It's a, this, it's a book. It's an ebook. It's a da, 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 da. Yeah. Uh, in the business world too, that's how many different revenue streams, right. Uh, or ways that you can get it out there to point to a revenue stream. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that it's just about money, but, but in the business world, these are, and I haven't found that it, nobody has come to me and said, you said the same thing on the podcast mm. that you did the blog. It's the same thing. So true. No one has ever done that. And right. I think it's because people are so busy. They're not going <laughs> to like sit down and go and compare. And also people get their information different ways that one person yes. likes to get it from a blog. One person likes a video better. Anyway, that that's my opinion. What do you, what do you think? Absolutely. Actually, I wish that I've been more willing to repeat stuff through multiple videos, you know? So like, if you look at the most successful people, they have seven things that they just say all the time and they just apply it to new contexts. And so I wish that, you know, there's some stuff that I have that I say, and I'm learning, oh, I need to say this like every week for my church. And I need to put this in my video a lot more often. So that whole trying to be super creative and innovative, the reality is not ever, nobody's watching all your videos. Mm -mm. They're going to admit they're your best fans will maybe watch every other, you know, they're busy. Like, hopefully they're busy. Yeah. Hopefully they don't, mm-hmm. they have more, they don't have enough time on their hands to watch everything you make. So yeah, right. that's a huge, like, wow, that actually helps with my content Yeah, because I can just repackage. And so, yeah, I mean, if yeah. I had a lot of money, which I don't, if I had all the money in the world, I would hire somebody to just do all that. Hey, yeah. I have this, make it into 18 different forms of content. Yeah. Boom. I'll, I'll pay you every week to do that. That's huge. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So true. Uh, another follow-up question I want to ask you is how long you, you were mentioning, you take your sermon and the extra bits you put into a YouTube video. How long uh, is the right length for YouTube videos? If you're not live, let's say it's an edited video. Mm. What's the right length? That's a good distinction because yeah, live, you can go forever. Right. And um, you know, people just hop in as long as you have something to say. Um, I really, I don't believe I kind of mentioned it earlier in the opposite way, but I don't, I, I believe my generation, we're hungry for more and we can, we can take a lot in. Um, and so I'm not the whole Ted talk guy. Like I'm fine with the 45 minute sermon, as long as it's killer and you still have attention and you do a good job. So really it is, I think Sean Cannell, he's a great friend. Do you know Sean Cannell? I don't, I know you need to. Yeah. Yeah. So on think media, he's a great Christian guy, but, um, so he says, make it as, short as you can as, and as long as you need to. So for every right. piece of content, it's like, Hey, you know, it's just those rules. Exactly. So you have to be really self-aware. Like, am I entertaining enough where I can pull off a 15 minute video or am I just really good at packing in the punches and giving you a lot of information quickly? My role is five minute videos. So in my history, I've been all over the map. Um, yeah, there is a, a playlist that I have. Sometimes I say, okay, this is actually a really good exercise for me. My favorite number is three Trey kind of represents three. I'm all about three. So for a long time, I made three thirty-three videos where I had vlogs that were three minutes and 33 seconds. Man, I did that tough. to learn how to like quickly tell a story. 
Um, it actually, I, it was kind of inspired. Do you have by a David timer Dobrik. in front knowing when, or no. did you just know that you're going to edit it to that? Exactly. So it's a vlog. So it's a ton of different angles and this and that. And then when right. I go to the edit, I have, okay, I gotta, I gotta so sometimes chop. I do the first edit and it's five minutes. I go, okay, what? two minute, you know, what, what minute and a half do I need to just nix? So really helpful exercise. In fact, I think preachers when they're beginning should say 30 minutes, no more. I got to stick to it. And then if I'm good at that, then I can increase. So good. yeah, the 333 gave me a lot of editing hacks. It helped me see what is really necessary in a story. Um, but it really depends on the content you make. So like, I know right now I'm into watching people going out into the ice, freezing cold on, on frozen lakes and making igloos those are like 30 minutes and it's silent. Like they're not talking, they're just doing it. This sounds so weird, but like, I'm really into it this week. I don't know. And so like, I actually want it to be 30 minutes long because it's therapeutic. Right. You know what I'm learning stuff. I'm seeing how they're doing this thing, which I'm from Arizona. So like, I don't even know what a frozen lake is, <laughs> which might be part of the interest. If you live, you're like frozen lake. I never right. want to see that another day in my life. Me, I'm like, wow, what is this from another yeah. planet? So anyways, <laughs> so it really is like, what is the genre that you're doing? Um, so some people like David Dobrik, for example, he used to do like four minutes and 20 seconds. Um, not a good example to follow of a person, but his content stuff. I've met him in New York city one time. Um, it was really, really helpful, but like Casey Neistat, his storytelling lately is about eight minute long vlogs. Um, but then you have people like Matt Diavella, they're like 15 minutes. So it really does depend on the genre. It depends on your skill. I would make it more about what content am I creating? What value am I bringing? What transformation am I bringing the audience? And then that will help you answer all of the other questions. You alluded to this earlier. Should all pastors be creating digital content? Um, I think the preference would be somebody in your church is helping you with that. Um, as a church planner, I have to do a million things. And one of them is also digital ministry. And thankfully, it's my gifting, my skill set. I enjoy it. It's a hobby. But I know for a lot of people, it's not. And so I'm really sympathetic to that. I know that ministry is hard. I'm a fourth generation pastor, so I'm not ignorant to the hardness of life as a pastor. Um, but I think it needs to be high in the priorities to empower somebody, especially if you're a multi-generational church that has younger people there, you have somebody who has those skills. And instead of saying, Hey, you serve in kids ministry every week, you say, Hey, you're serving the digital ministry every week, help us make content. So I would say it's a high value. I don't think it has to all fall on the shoulders of the pastor. Good. Good. Uh, how much do you chase views and comments always no um there's a balance to that right so there's been times and i talk about it on my videos where i was like oh wow so like i actually for a little while went live a lot because i recognize it's a great way to get more audience and i would actually talk about cultural issues because i i can i you know i have you know the educational background to be able to connect those dots but it was like so lifeless for me. I didn't enjoy it. I hated the kind of comments I got. It was doing so the live stuff. Yeah. So much hate. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to be commenting on, you know, I'm trying to think of an example, the Kanye and Kardashian, you know, and what does that mean for a biblical marriage? I'm not doing that anymore. So yeah. I think you have to know what do you love? So for me, I've always treated this as a hobby. And so at the end of the day, if I'm like, if this is soul sucking, I'm not interested. And then your, your viewers will know that, like if you're making stuff you don't like and they're going to yeah. be turned off by it. So, um, yeah. What was the question? Uh, <laughs> uh views and comments. Oh, how, how chasing much after views. So some of my best videos, I actually have it unlisted now because it's just not who I am. 
Um, and so I've had to recognize a lot of my content is more deeper than wider. Like I'm not attracting millions, but I'm making a good income off YouTube. So I've had to rewire what are my goals and values. And I have like legit relationships. Like I can get 75 pastors to fly to Phoenix this month if I wanted to for a conference. Like it's legit. Like we have a cool, awesome community across denominational lines. And I love that. So there's been times where I've chased views. I think it's smart if you're confident about the, about the value you are bringing, you need to be smart about how you package it. You've got to make a thumbnail that people want to click. You have to make a title where people are intrigued. You've got to build that tension. So I'm not going to make a video where I know nobody will click, but I'm not going to make a video where I know everybody will click. It has to be mm -hmm. what video can I make that reaches my people that I want to bless. And so yeah. sometimes that does mean I would prefer artistically for be for this to be a 10 minute video, but practically a six minute video will do better. I'll make the six minute version. Good. All right. So there's a lot of content I'm not going to, we're not gonna have time to cover, but I want to kind of give you an, uh, give an overview of it because you did a live, like an hour long thing, uh, walking through, I think it was, uh, what was the guy's name? Josh, Josh Spencer. Spencer. Everybody needs to check Spectre. him out. I don't think he's a Christian. I don't know what he is, but yeah. Josh Specter. Yeah. Great. great. It was stuff. some really good. In fact, I'm going to take a lot of it, uh, to, yeah. to heart myself. It was really gold. Um, uh, so kind of give me an overview of the, some of the things that you learned from him and how you're applying those things. Yeah. Let me think about some of the stuff he said. One, one thing that he said that was really helpful for me, he goes, when you're making videos, you have to keep constantly think, um, first of all, I'm creating for someone, not everyone. So who is that someone? And that's the biggest part of the journey, because if you're creating for somebody who uh, is more intellectual and can take on learning a lot, you're going to make longer videos. If you're trying to reach teenagers, you're probably going to make captivating, shorter form content, right? So you have to know who you're creating for and you have to be okay to not make it for everybody. So that's a huge lesson that he talked about in that Twitter thread. He makes a bunch of stuff. So I, I check his, his Twitter every day um, because he's really helping everybody on, on content. Another thing that a lot of pastors run into that I remember that he talked about was self-promotion and how if you truly believe that your content can change somebody's life, then you need to promote it. And so that's a huge reason why a lot of pastors don't jump online. They're like, oh, you know, I don't want to be selfish. I don't want to make it about me. And it's like, well, if your heart's wrong and you're making it about yourself, then, you know, fix that. But I think the Lord can rewire your heart and your affections. You stand on a pulpit every week. You right. Need to stop doing that. I was like, say the same thing, right. You know, like you're obviously putting yourself out there in, in one medium. Why not another? And so if you have that issue, work that out with the Lord. Choose humility. And then when you realize humility is, not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less, you're thinking about your viewer and you're going to make content for them. So yep. it's okay to self-promote. Um, that's actually like what you need to do. Um, another one was like, when you're pitching your channel, like what's your value prop? Like how will you bring people transformation? So if they don't know why coming to your channel or even your church, right. Or anything, if they don't know what the promised transformation is, then why would they keep coming back and why would they subscribe? So not everybody has the same, even as Christian content creators, we don't have the same value prop. We don't have the same like exact transformation that happens when you encounter our channel. So you have to do a lot of soul searching. You have to do a lot of creating to figure out what is the thing that if you're around me, your life will be transformed in this way. And that's been really helpful for me. Yeah.
Good. Well, man, uh, he had a lot of great stuff. And, uh, man, I could talk to you all day because uh, <laughs> I think um, a lot of this stuff is is really good and will really help pastors. Uh, and I, I think one big takeaway is a lot of pastors can be timid because that's not me. I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to mm. edit. I don't want to self-promote myself. It just doesn't feel like... But I think that having an online presence, whether that is you or someone else from your church... I, I still think having an online presence is important. I think the yeah. both the both and is important. Um, and so, so yeah, maybe that's freeing for some pastors that like, it doesn't have to be you. Right. Maybe you find somebody who's a great communicator for that medium. Or don't be afraid to put in the work, like do six months of watching YouTube videos on how to edit. It's like, right. at the end of the day, it's like, wow, like, didn't we, like when we signed up to serve people, we knew it would be a lot of sweat. And it would be a lot of frustration. So it really blows. There's always the biggest frustration I have is pastors reaching out to me saying, how do I do this without having to do this? You know, like, how do I do this? But I don't want to edit. It's like, then you don't do it. It's like, Like, it's all execution. It's like, yeah, yeah. exactly. So it's like, I I, I can't. And they like blame it on like, figure out a way. I can't. It's just a lot of work. And I put in over 10 years of video editing now. So when you're doing three a week, how many hours a week? between shooting, editing, everything were you putting in? So I don't know about the shooting. I actually never. So like some vloggers just shoot everything and then figure out a story after I've always been more, here's the direction I want to take. Um, I would rarely cut clips. Like I typically at the end of the day would go, Oh man, I should have recorded a little bit more. So I'd always just keep everything real low. Um, mainly cause I didn't afford, especially in the beginning, those SD cards that were like 264 gigabytes. So I was like, I got one SD card, right. I got 64 gigs. I ain't going to go over that limit. Um, but editing, I would do about every edit an hour to an hour and a half, which is actually pretty quick for what yeah. most people, uh, most people kind of takes like three to four to five hours. I don't know why I've learned a lot of shortcut keys. I already know yeah. the story before I start. There's right. just a couple hacks that I've figured right. out. Um, it's about. Are you using Premiere? What are, What are you using? Give me your yeah, software. Premiere Pro. Yeah, yep. so I have the Adobe Creative Cloud Suite. Yep. You pulling yep. in After Effects and stuff like that too, or just Premiere? No, I really love the Mogurt titles. Yep. You know what I'm talking about. So like, mm-hmm. you can do a lot of After Effects looking things just in Premiere. I've mm-hmm. always hated After Effects, so yep. I've stayed away yep. from it always. We're reverse. I live in After Effects. Funny. Oh, dude, yep. you're a freak. Then you're I you're a genius. I that's wouldn't say genius, are. but it's, it's weird. It's weird. <laughs> it, it's I, strange. I edit in after effects. That's, uh, that's weird. Whoa. Yeah. That yeah. is man. Yeah. yeah that's yeah, funny. I, yeah. I literally couldn't do that. If you had a gun to my head, like, yeah, <laughs> I have no idea how to do that. Sorry yeah. if that's a little vulgar, I'm but headed, I, I don't I'm know how to, to do therapy after, after this. So <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. All right. Will you play a little game with me before you leave? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Here's five questions with Trey Van Camp. All right. Oh, no. So this is a, uh, it's going to be rapid fire. Okay, rapid fire five questions. They're about you or uh, some fun stuff. All right, you ready? Here we go. I'm ready. First question is, is out of nowhere. Here we go. What is the average cost of a brand new camper van? That's amazing. Uh, $29,000. No, get this. 110 to 200. Oh grand. my gosh. Yeah. No yeah, wonder yeah. I don't do the van life. I know. I thought that you would know this because <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right. Number two, name the Christian artist from these lyrics. Scattered words and empty thoughts. Do I need to go on? Seem to pour from my heart. I've never felt so torn before. Seems I don't know where to start, but now 
That's how I feel. Your grace falls like rain from every fingertip washing away my pain. I am a book reader and podcaster. I never this is this is about you. Jeremy Camp. Yeah. Uh, Incorrect. In- I should have I should have put these things together. See, I think you're catching on now. I think you're catching on now. All right, number three. What is your secret talent? Is there some special skill that only a few people know about? I'm such an open book. I tell everybody everything. A random stupid thing I do is I can with my arms. People can't do show this. Show it. You got to show it. Go in the opposite direction. Everybody eventually does this. I can keep them in opposite directions. Wow. It's harder than you think. Everybody at yeah. home try it right now. Yeah. It's no, impossible. There's, there's no way. No, it's not even <laughs> not even happening. All right. Number four. What is the hardest thing that you've had to go through as a church planter? Oh, man. It's supposed to be quick. Um, <laughs> on a Friday, we were given a handshake that the building was going to be ours. Five acres, playgrounds, everything we've ever wanted. Told the church on Sunday. Monday, they never showed up to the bank and they gave it to another church. So heartbreaking are you serious and there's a vlog on it <laughs> oh yeah it's very very hard man well how did it work out did it uh still renting we are still not okay <laughs> sorry <laughs> the, the times when you do not go for the follow-up barnhill stay away from the follow-up question no that was before covid though so we we're like well at least we don't have a bill to pay during all this mess you I know so that. that's the that's the <laughs> silver lining I guess so. All right. Uh, number five, <laughs> last question. What character trait do you most admire in other pastors or communicators? Mm. Just one? Well, you can name a couple. I love when they balance humility with authority. That's mm. just so interesting to me. You're teachable, but yet you can be firm and really speak the truth. A book I'm loving right now is by Tim Elmore. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. It's called the eight paradoxes of great leadership. And so that's one of them. It talks about Bob Iger, how he's confident. And yet I forgot what his phrase was, but yet like really teachable. I Mm. love seeing that in other pastors. Mm. That is good. That's good. That's good. All right, cool. All right. You did good, man. Thanks for playing. Thank you. (laughs) Sorry, Jeremy Camp. Oh, I know. I know. Incorrect. Incorrect. Um, All right. How how can people get up with you? How can people follow your, your channel and everything that you're up to? Yeah, yeah. The easiest way is just uh, look up Trey Van Camp uh, on YouTube and then Trey Van Camp, like you're camping in a van, but not really on Instagram. So those are the two biggest places. Actually, one more thing, because I'm into this. We didn't get to talk about it, but uh, go to TreyVanCamp.com and sign up for my newsletter. So I send out three ideas every week uh, to help people in their content creation, uh, to help them in their pastoral leadership, kind of stuff like that. I did it just as a quick tip. I did it because I'm making a book and it's really important when you're writing books and making videos to have emails. So I don't want to just take people's emails. I want to give people value, Um, but it's really important. So I don't want to be a victim to the algorithm. I finally learned the lesson to figure out some way to grab people's emails and I'm doing that via a weekly Tribune. So here, here I stand. I see what you did there. See I put Trey in everything. So my vlogs are called documentaries. My Q and A's are called Q and trays. And my, might as well throw that in the weekly Tribune. Yeah. Thank you for noticing. Very, very <laughs> clever. Very clever. Man, thank you so much. I could talk to you all day. Appreciate the time, buddy. Absolutely. Grace and peace. When creating and presenting worship slides, never use repeat language or hymnal directions. 
If you sing one line repeatedly, it should be on one slide and the one slide should be duplicated in your presentation software. Don't put directions like repeat three times or sing chorus again, men only this verse, nothing like that. Just lyrics. The show notes for this episode are available now at makingsundayhappen.com. Hey guys, if you like the content on our podcast, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Just search 1230 Media or Making Sunday Happen on YouTube to find us so you never miss an episode. Next week, I will welcome a big one, Evangelist Nick Hall. Nick is an incredible speaker, evangelist, preacher. Uh, He was mentored and influenced by Billy Graham, Greg Laurie, and others. Nick is the founder of the Pulse Movement, and their big event, Together 22, is happening in just a few months, June 24th and 25th, at the Cotton Bowl in Dallas. Some really big significance on those dates and that location that we'll talk about next week. Nick has preached the gospel at hundreds of events to more than 5 million people and is regularly featured as a speaker for pastors, gatherings, and events around the world. I'm going to be talking with Nick about how to reach the next generation. Nick and his team is reaching young people all over the world with these events. So we'll be talking about how can we craft our worship experiences to reach a younger generation? How do we reach those millennials uh, and more? Uh, What do we need to stop doing? What is a big turnoff to younger people? What can we see happen in the church today? Where's the movement going? One of my favorite recent interviews of late, extremely powerful. We'll talk all about that with Nick Hall next week. We'll go out there and create some incredible worship experiences this weekend. I'll catch you next week. Making Sunday Happen is a production of the Ministry of 1230 Media. For show notes, archive episodes, and more free resources for your church, visit makingsundayhappen.com.